You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, there's the music. That means it's time for Animal Talk. Some of the best doggone pet people on the planet, like that guy sitting in front of the car. Hi, I'm Brian Donovan, and I've been in quarantine for 52 years. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't it's like nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't even show. Uh, <laughs> man, managing our social media mayhem. Uh, doing what I can. Hi, Matt Fox. Good to be back. <laughs> and pushing our buttons. Just waking up from her midday nap. Who was on Muted mute. out, Sam Nork. <laughs> She's not talking. Sam Sorry. Is, Sam Nork is uh, not talking. Hi, Sam. I said hi. Oh, oh hi. Hi. It's, uh, it's good to see you, Samantha. We missed a week, and uh, I didn't see you guys. Uh, none of the regular animal shenanigans. So I'm glad everybody's uh, able to hang out. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting yelled at because I'm too loud. All right, so I'll try <laughs> I just project when I'm on the thing here. Uh, Animal Talk, helping people with their pets. That is uh, what we're here to do. And uh, talking about uh, bringing new pets into your life, right? Just because the world is stopped, that doesn't mean that uh, we, we stopped uh, sharing the love and, and bringing, bringing the love. And today, this month is, uh, where are we at? We're May. It's uh, March, April, Mayth, something like mm-hmm. that. But it's uh, National Adopt-A-Cat Month, and... Uh, uh, a friend of ours uh, sent us an email just uh, reminding us of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, Mark, um, we should probably talk about that. I go, and he's like, hey, I got Dr. Lisa, and she would love to tell you a little bit more uh, about, uh, you know, the uh, National Adopt-A-Cat Month and then just some things to to think about. So, Dr. Lisa, welcome to Animal Talk. Thank you. Great to be here with you guys. So, uh, doc- about animals. Yeah. Dr. Lisa, tell us about your childhood. About my childhood, well, it was very uh, drenched in pet fur, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, watching kittens born uh, as a small child had a big impact on me and probably had something to do with my uh, endless desire to become a veterinarian, which I just uh, couldn't seem to get over until I did it. So, right on. Um, so where, where did you go to vet school and uh, where are you practicing now? Um, I, I'm from Oklahoma and I went to vet school at Oklahoma State University. And uh, I've uh, been in small animal practice as well as uh, teaching at the university where I taught shelter medicine and um, basic surgery to the bright, shining veterinarians of tomorrow. And then now I work for American Humane and I'm the veterinarian on the rescue team. So I do things like respond to disasters when, when there's a big disaster, we sweep in and coordinate with the local entities to um, whether it's a hurricane or wildfires or, hey, what about a pandemic? Uh, you know, yeah. So now we're trying to learn how to um, deal with the situation with the pandemic because truly uh, this is a disaster we've ever seen one. So there's so many there's so many moving parts. Uh, even though we're not moving, we're pretty locked down. But I mean, there's so many moving parts to, to what's going on in the world right now between, you know, people hurting for cash, people out of work, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So it, it's, 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 uh, the, the, and that concerns pets and, and adoption rates. So what's, what's happening? Do you have a, a handle on what's happening with, uh, adoption rates, um, right now during this pandemic? Is there a bigger need, lesser need? What's going on? Well, that, that really varies widely depending on what part of the nation you're looking at. 
in a lot of our uh, more metropolitan shelters and in some of our areas that are, you know, more better funded, um, you know, of course, we made a big push right off the bat about, you know, adopt a pandemic pet. You know, if you can take another animal to your home, this is a great time. Help reduce those numbers in the shelter. And, you know, we know the shelter employees, too, are responding to this and uh, struggling under it. And uh, so, but in more rural areas or in more poorly funded areas, um, we are seeing shelters struggling because they're being, you know, they have their normal load and then uh, add that on top. Uh, this is kitten season and puppy season where we typically do see an increase in animals going into our shelters. Um, so, and, you know, quite frankly, here at the local shelter in Stillwater, um, just in the last few weeks, they, they, at first things were looking pretty good. People, adoptions were going well. They were doing them as remote adoptions. Um, and then, hmm. uh, but now we're starting to see the real effect where people either because they've, they've lost their job or they've had to, uh, they've lost their home and they're having to relocate and uh, can't take the animals with them. Um, I fostered a, a kitty for about a week, uh, myself to get him on his little path. And then now he's, uh, luckily off in his forever home and all, but, um, but he was, he was exactly his scenario. And this is a cat that was a love kitten had been clearly, uh, loved and cuddled all his life, but, you know, by no fault of his own, he found himself in the slammer and, you know, um, our open shelters, they, they have no choice, but to take in the animals that, that come their way, they must take them in. And if they can have space and the ability to adopt them out, that's great. If that number exceeds that, it's not so great. It is. And it's just so many people are facing difficult, difficult finances. And it's like they're making a, a hard decision of, of, of not keeping pets right now, which is, uh, which is, which is difficult for, for folks. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't wrap it's, my head around it's it. It's totally heartbreaking. I mean, you can imagine somebody, we're all struggling emotionally. I don't know about you guys. But uh, I like to think of myself as, you know, emotionally strong and all that stuff. Oh, my gosh. You know, I get it now. I get uh, the struggles of battling that pushing back on depression. And imagine yeah. if you had to couple that with having to relinquish your pet in the middle of it all. It's really quite tragic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, how many animals are not getting spayed and neutered right now right. because of decreased services? And that's the whole next wave of trouble. So yeah, Dr. Karen uh, joined us and she is a, a veterinarian here in the Metro Detroit area and uh, she runs the uh, Serenity Animal Hospital, just this fabulous uh, place. And they do, they do a lot of fostering there at the Serenity uh, Animal Hospital. And, and she's, we've been sharing ideas with her about, you know, the, cause it's, 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 they say keep it down to essential service. Uh, Dr. Karen, the uh, spays yeah. and neuters are, uh, those fall under the essential services, right? Yeah, adopting also felt, sorry, I'm letting my dogs in and out, so <laughs> I look kind of funny, that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, adoptions um, were considered a non-essential service, so we were not allowed to do adoptions wow. um, if we're following the rules. And uh, as far as, um, you know, just the, the fostering and stuff, we can allow fostering. Um, that is certainly something that can be done. Um, but, you know, we've, we've had pretty good uh, adoption rates in the past, but cats are always a tough one. And we've, we've gotten quite a few kittens in mm. already. And, uh, you know, I know that they're going to need to go somewhere really, you know, in the not too distant future. Spays and neuters were considered um, 
non-essential until just last week when the governor allowed shelter spays and neuters only. Um, so technically we're still not allowed to do client procedures, but we can do, um, you know, the animals that are considered shelter animals. So it's been kind of challenging and, you know, working under all of these different uh, conditions definitely does make, um, make things a little more interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if somebody's thinking about bringing a kitty into their household, uh, Dr. Lisa, um, this is the uh, Cat Adoption Month, National Cat Adoption Month. What are some things people should uh, keep in mind? We have a, a top 10 list. Uh, I love top 10 lists. I love top 10 lists. Uh, but you had 10 ideas uh, about things to, to consider when uh, thinking about becoming a cat owner or expanding your cat family. Well, well, of course, uh, you know, our first uh tip is, hey, why just get one? Get several. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, uh, everybody, first off, uh, quite honestly, you need to know your own limitations and you want to approach adoption of an animal very seriously and make sure you are prepared uh, financially, that that it's a whole family decision if there's others involved. And, uh, um, you know, so so actually you want to make sure you, you take that decision making very seriously. And, uh, and, you know, utilize those people around you, you know, if you're adopting from a shelter, utilize them to help you match your personality and how you vision a cat with the type of cats they know, because they know their animals, uh, you know, you, that way you're not picking one just based on color or, or hair length or whatever, but try to pick one that, that matches up a little bit better with what you expect out of a cat. You know, do you want one of those sleepy guys that lays around all the time, or do you really like the one that's uh uh, real frisky and playful. So, you know, look at, look into that and, um, you know, prepare your home. So, you know, con- uh, connect with your veterinarian beforehand, you know, set it up. If you know you're going to be adopting an animal, um, go ahead and make yourself an appointment, you know, maybe half a week or a week after the adoption with your, your veterinarian to, to establish that relationship and to follow up with whatever care has been started at the shelter. But keep in mind when you bring that new animal home from a shelter, particularly a cat, they have been through a lot. And cats and stress, uh, it takes cats a long time to come down from stress, you know, chemically to come down from it. They, it really does. And so expect that cat to have to need several days to maybe a week or two to really settle in, let it have lots of quiet time, set up a room just for that cat where it knows it has a place to go, where it can get away from any other people or animals and have private uh, private place to be put all its stuff in there and let it let it come out as it's ready and that cat will uh you'll probably need to sleep up for a few days when it comes home from a shelter quite frankly but um, well, we agree with everything she said and you know one of the things we do and hopefully most shelters do um is allow time for them to play with the animals to find the one that you know uh, that adjusts to them we see, and this goes for dogs and cats, but boy, I tell you, we see some situations where a cat or a dog just will not connect with a person, but then they'll connect with another person really, really well. And we say they don't show well, um, and they may show, sorry, uh, <laughs> you're joining me. Um, they may show better for one person than another. And it's like, it's who they connect to. And, uh, you know, that's, so that's really important. Don't, like she said, don't just pick based on color. 
pick based on you know what works for your household. And we often will recommend that people take two kitties at the same time because if they have any intention of adding in the future, then it's always a good idea to do that at the beginning rather than afterwards because cats may have established their personality and their territory and may not accept a newcomer as well or at all. <laughs> That's like so true. That's yeah. really a big deal. You know, I mean, if you add in a newcomer later on, then you can add you can end up with a lot of issues with, with the cats too. I think it looked it took like twelve years for my wife's cat and my cat to really get to the point where they got <laughs> along. It took like six years for her cat to get along with me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's different. And you do see some cats that are you know, not as, as open, you know, as we say, they're feral. Um, if they haven't been socialized as a kitten from the beginning, they may be very, very aloof and very secretive. And so people need to know that so that they know what they're getting into when they do adopt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, um, I have a few cats here that I consider are semi-feral. Um, they'll let me touch them. They'll let me, you know, maybe do a little bit more, but they don't want, really want to come hang out with me or whatever. But as you can see, I do have some cats that are pretty friendly, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Lisa, uh, cat-proofing a home, can you cat-proof a home? Well, do, you just want to do your best. And the cat's going to point out to you pretty quickly uh, the things you might have forgotten. But, you know, you want to think about things that, you know, cats, you don't want them chewing on electrical cords. You certainly don't want them eating, uh, playing with uh, unattended, playing with strings and things like that, that they might ingest. That can be a real problem in cats. You know, you don't want to leave food on the cabinet. Well, that's an invitation uh, for the cat to jump on your cabinet. And if that's not what you want, it's best to try to avoid that habit building. And so, you know, look around and, and think cats have natural tendency to scratch. They certainly like to do it. So if you'll create them a great place to scratch and play with toys on that, uh, you know, drag things over that to entice them to that, hopefully you can direct that kind of behavior onto that. So there's those kind of things you can do. So get your house set up, make sure before you bring kitty home that you've already procured everything you're going to need. And that way, when the cat comes in, you just can let them settle. But you know, certain, certain plants are, are toxic to, to cats too. Some simple things like, you know, Easter lilies, uh, you know, they, there are um, things that we should not uh, have around our cats. So, you know, you know, just do, do a little bit of a uh, research into it. If you have a wide variety of crazy plants in your house, you might just check it out and make sure you don't have one there that. Yeah, definitely. If the you know, I had a question for, uh, for Dr. Karen. What other advice do you have? Dr. Karen, do you have do you have cats or do you just own the cat butts? Because all I've seen is cat butts crossing the. <laughs> There's a head here. See, I, I'm not judging. I'm just wondering if you own the whole cat. There <laughs> you go. Here's Clarissa. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Another observation. I might as well throw my two cents in about cats, cat ownership. If you take a baby kitten and you pick them up by the nape of the neck, they curl their legs and they curl into a little ball. And Sam does exactly the same thing when you pick them up. <laughs> That's all I have. Uh, so, Dr. Lisa, what uh, what happens with your cats when the uh, the murder hornets swarm us? What do we do? Well, 
whether it's murder hornets or some other disaster that uh, forces you to have to suddenly evacuate your home, which I'm thinking if it's murder hornets, you might want to stay indoors. But anyway, let's imagine a hurricane approaching. Um, in other, just be prepared. Your cat is going to be another part of your family. So be prepared for that family member like you would yourself. If you know, make sure you have let somebody know uh, who you need a back contact. And in this time of COVID, for example, what are you going to do if you get sick and can't take care of your animals? Do you have a backup plan for somebody that can help you with that? Uh, plan ahead. It's always better to lay these things out beforehand and hope you don't have to use them. Have listed your veterinarian. Have listed uh, any medications or special needs of this animal and make sure you have ample supplies for uh, a couple of weeks uh, for that. But uh, and a very important thing about cats is if you need to transport that cat, Put them in a cat secure transport thing, whether that's a, a cat crate, a soft side carrier, or even an emergency. Uh, it can be something as simple as a pillowcase, and that's an emergency item. But in a flooded house, it beats the heck out of letting that cat shoot off into the night and be lost. Uh, we've seen so many sad stories. You know, cats should never be moved outside of their setting loose because all it takes is the is one noise, one bit of panic, and they will bust loose from you and you'll be scarred and they'll be gone. And uh, many tragic stories happen about that. So think about how you're going to transport them. And if you have a lot of animals, think about how you're going to get them out of your house with you in a case of emergency. We've seen tragic things in floods where People just could not get all their family and animals into the car and they had to leave them behind Oof. and it's heartbreaking. So just think and be prepared. All right, Dr. Lisa, thank you. And it's, uh, we had, we have, we have like a lot of doctors in the house now. Dr. We Michelle do. <laughs> is with us too. Dr. Michelle, we're talking about, uh, it's national Ac adopt a cat month. And, uh, 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 Dr. Lisa was, was sharing some ideas about, uh, uh, Good ideas to keep in mind while while adopting uh, a cat. And, and Michelle, you are uh, the president-elect of, of which organization again? Um, the American Association of Feline Practitioners. There you go. So I, it's a I screw it up every time. <laughs> yeah, AAFP. <laughs> there it is. So, uh, so Michelle, um, so it, it, during this pandemic, people are locked down. People are at home. People are, are, are lonely. You see friends that are lonely. Uh, wouldn't it be a good idea to gift them a cat? <laughs> Yeah. Gifting animals is probably not a good idea because people need to be able to pick out their own pet, find that specific pet they want, that bond. Yeah, no, that <laughs> usually works out very well. It was a loaded. It was a loaded question, right? Yep. You just put you just put a ribbon and a bow on the pillowcase, and uh, right, it's fine. Oh, all right. So, Dr. Lisa, uh, we, we talked earlier about, you know, people sometimes giving up their pets right now because of uh, money issues. Uh, and so there's more pets in shelters. There's people that, that need help feeding their pets at home. Uh, do you guys have something going on about feeding uh, pets? We do. So we do. Uh, we have Human. our Feed the Hungry program because, you know, clearly our shelters are struggling right now um, along with everyone else. And so our, this program allows uh, allows. Um, shelters and all to write for support for food and supplies and medical supplies as well, because uh, it's just a critical time for us to all step up and help. And America Humane, we, you know, the, the people who support America Humane, this is their big chance to, to help push out to shelters, whether it's one locally to you and don't hesitate to reach out to your local shelter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, 
it's, these are times where let, let's work closely if we can. And, uh, and through our program, we, we try to touch to some of those shelters that aren't getting the support that they really need. All right, there you go. So uh, what's the, the website there? People can uh, find out more uh, about American, American Humane? AmericanHumane.org. Uh, please check us out. And uh, we're the nation's oldest humane organization and uh, have a proud history of many things. And uh, But uh, this Feed the, Feed the Hungry campaign that we're putting on now is really important. So if you get a chance, go to AmericanHumane.org and, and help us out. Well, Dr. Lisa, so glad you were able to uh, hang out a little bit and, and talk about cats because uh, I'm a cat. You could tell I had Percy up here. I'm a cat guy. Uh, so I uh, love talking about the kitty cats whenever we can. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so check it out, uh, AmericanHumane.org for all that information. And uh, again, Dr. Lisa, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. All right, cool. Thanks, Lisa. So uh, Andrew's here. Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good, Jamie. How's everything? Excellent, excellent. Andrew was online earlier, and he's like, uh, "Is anybody doing their podcast tonight?" I'm lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm so used to doing like tons and tons of shows, and today I had all kinds of stuff going on, and uh, I was like, "Man, I just I got to get on a podcast." <laughs> and actually, uh, this is great timing. Yeah. Uh, so, Doctor Carrie and Doctor Michelle, I have a question for you. So, I had a cat show up in my backyard. What's it been, Jamie? Uh, six or seven months ago, eight months ago, something like that. Yeah. Not in good health, elderly, 13 years old. Um, oh. I don't think his hearing and eyesight's very good. And I think he might have a little bit of like kitty dementia, just to be totally honest. Oh. Um, I have noticed a pretty uh, drastic reduction in his vision recently. Just this morning, I noticed that he was, he, he came around the corner that he always comes around in the morning and he went head first into a, uh, a vacuum cleaner that oh. was there. So, you know, he hasn't been with us very long. He already seems to be confused a lot of the time. And now I feel like his eyesight's getting worse. Are there things that I can be doing to make him more comfortable during this kind of what I can assume is going to be a pretty steady decline? Getting him checked out at a veterinarian might help us figure out why is he blind? Like, does he have, he's, he's, yeah, he's cloudy behind the, uh, does he have cataracts? Is he diabetic? Does he have kidney disease? And he has high blood pressure and he went blind that way. Like, no, I don't know no diabetes, could... no um, liver disease, no kidney disease. His Good. blood work actually came back great. He awesome. just has lived a very hard life. Yeah. I mean, they adapt to being blind pretty well. Um, they kind of learn their surroundings. So as long as you don't move things around, if he's outdoors, it'll be a little trickier. But, you know, he'll learn where you keep everything outside. So they, they have a very good memory about that. Being blind is not necessarily painful, you know, as long as there's nothing else going on with him. And it's just cataracts and getting old. Okay. Uh, you know, that, that would be the most helpful. Do you have a fenced-in yard? Or does he just roam the neighborhood? We don't have a fenced-in yard. We've actually been keeping him inside. He has no interest oh, in being outside anymore. Oh, good. So he is indoors. Mm -hmm. so that that's very good. Um, so yeah, just don't move things around your house. They use their whiskers a lot. Um, sorry, my children. <laughs> they they use their whiskers a lot for sight and trying to be able to like feel where things are. So not really seeing, but they they feel feel a lot with those. Andrew does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Right? I do. And actually, I have to give credit to uh, James. He told me not to hide the litter box. I was going to change positions of it every day, but yeah, uh, no. I'm glad I'm leaving it in the same spot. Leave everything the same and he'll learn the lay of your house. All right. I can do that. 
Yeah, the best thing for you to do is make sure you've got um, really, you know, a good veterinarian helping guide you through all this and Mm -hmm. checking blood work. With older animals, we like to check blood work at least every six months because so much can happen in such a short time once they age. And Mm -hmm. uh, really looking into anything that might be going on that's different when you see it is always a good idea to check into it. Absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah, we try. We try. I have a cat that's 20 years old, so we have uh, done a pretty good job of keeping him going. I think he's going to outlive us, honestly. I I need to just make him a part of my will. (laughs) I don't have any kids. I I made my animals part of my will because when I was uh, going in for my back surgery, I wanted to make sure I had everything all straight. And all of my animals are in my will, listed by name and what they get. And with me, I don't have really much family. So my animals are my family. So right. they're getting most of anything that I have left. <laughs> we did a, that. we did a story on Oprah, Brian, you remember that? And, uh, Oprah and, uh, she had her pets in her will, uh, yeah. for it, yeah. like several million dollars each. <laughs> uh, it's just crazy. Um, yeah. if you have that, kind of it's always good to provide, you never know what's going to happen. We've had clients who unexpectedly passed, yeah. We've had um, animals that were in our boarding facility and their owners passed, like they were in the hospital and died. And, you know, in most cases, um, when things like that happen, people aren't prepared and don't have don't have anything in their will. You know, we have rehomed those animals, you know, found really good homes for them or, you know, maybe a, a relative decided to take on that pet. But, um, you know, it, it really is a good idea to make some provision because, you know, you don't want the animal ending up going to a shelter and everything that goes along with that, just the horror of losing their owner and then ending up in a jail. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Are they going to be put down or whatever? It's it, you really do want they're a family member. So you want to make sure that they're provided for in one way or another or that someone is going to take care of them afterwards that you have that all straightened out ahead of time. Yeah. So Andrew, um, we haven't talked in, in a little while and did you change the name of your podcast? Did you adjust the name of your podcast in the last year or so? I haven't. I just keep doing more because I'm <laughs> clinically insane or something. I don't know. All right, so what do you, Maybe it's my cat driving me up the wall. I don't do you, know. So what do you have going my, on in the podcast world now? Well, so I have my Boost Booze and Barbecue show, which is, of course, the catch-all, you know. Um, we still have Pardon My Fork. We've started doing a small batch edition of Pardon My Fork, which is what we call our uh, tasting Mondays. So it'll be wine, beer, whiskey, whatever. And as often as we can, we have the maker, the distiller, the winemaker, whatever, uh, to come on and talk yeah. about their product. Mm. And then uh, <laughs> I'm doing, does, does anyone here not know what drifting is, like car drifting Tokyo drift. I, I watched the movie yeah I, I've okay it, yeah. so you know yeah. so i'm doing a basically an organ drift show called clutch kick radio with a friend of mine and uh, i'm producing three other shows <laughs> that oh my goodness <laughs> all go out yeah you know that's the funny thing about building myself a studio is once my friends start getting real serious about wanting to do something yeah. um you know they decide they want to get serious about it and as if i wasn't enough of a glutton for punishment we're also starting a company called organ ppe where we're going to start manufacturing both surgical masks and N95 respirators because uh, I think the one 
thing we can all agree on here pretty much universally is that we need to be manufacturing emergency equipment in the United States so we don't have these breakdowns of our of our systems. So sure. um, that's a that's a big one for me right now. We're trying to secure funding. We have the building picked out. We have the machinery on hold. Thanks to automation, we can build these masks for even cheaper than you can get them from China for. So it's really a no-brainer for manufacturers to bring it here and for our hospitals and first responders to start purchasing from more local companies. Andrew, is there a website, like a main website, people can uh, find your stuff? Absolutely. It's uh, Well, first of all, the, the podcasts are at thomascreekdigitalmedia.com. And literally, it's just at in the name of the show, no spaces on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And then Oregon PPE is just OregonPPE.org. And we're still getting the website put together, but we love to hear from people. And you can actually email us at info at OregonPPE.org if you have any stories, any ways that not having personal protective equipment has affected you. Uh, we continue to compile those stories and try to send it to our very dense local politicians and try to get them to understand that this is something that we need and it would be a good idea for them to help us out. Yeah, we have uh, Podcast Detroit. We we do some meetups and uh, we get together on the Zoom and uh, not not for recording, but just for commiserating. And one of the people that joins the Zoom with some relative frequency is is a nurse. And, uh, you know, inevitably she's, you know, her face is, is, uh, bruised up from the day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a need for, for good quality mm-hmm. stuff for sure. There I'm not going to show you on camera, do. but my nose, I've got a, a rash from wearing one of the cheapo, uh, overseas made masks. Uh, cause I had a doctor's appointment for the first time in, I don't know how many months Threw that thing on, took it off an hour later and I had a rash across oh. my nose and I just thought, what is in these things? We have no idea. Karen, you're having a hard time getting materials for oh, your yeah, clinic? Definitely. I was just talking about possibly adding face masks and we can't, you know, the face shields, I should say, and we can't get those. Um, we haven't been at, we've got like one box of N95 masks. We can't get any more. Mm. It's, it's mm. like, you can't, you can't get the stuff. And uh, I think it's easier on the human side to get the stuff than it is on the veterinary side. Um, because right now that's everybody's been donating and, and doing everything for the human side, but on the veterinary side, our suppliers don't have anything. Jeez. I'm real sorry to hear it, you guys. Uh, Hopefully, 60 days from now, you can hit me up and I'll send you a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I don't know if we need that many, but that hey. would be great. <laughs> hey, Brian, I got a I got a question here, Brian. I don't know if, yeah, it's, sure. if it's gonna turn out to be a, a medical question uh, or if this is a behavior one, but uh, it's about a cat. Uh, and it's over-grooming. There's an over-grooming behavior. We have a 19-month-old rescue male kitten. Um, he's constantly grooming himself. His fur is wet, wet in several areas, and he works at it really, really hard. Um, do you know why he might be doing this? We comb him frequently. Um, we fostered him um, since he was two months old, uh, and we adopted him at four months. Uh, he was with his mother for, for two full months before he joined us. Uh, just grooming, grooming, grooming is, is over grooming, a uh, 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 trainable behavior. Well, it, it depends with it's, uh, the onset is what's important. If this cat was going about his business, everything was fine. They just picked up this behavior, you know, cats kind of, you know, keep things inside. The first thing I would do whenever a cat, especially an adult cat uh, changes its behavior, get them to the vet right away because, um, you know, sometimes that's the first 
sign that there's something uh, wrong with the kids when they start changing their behavior. And they don't, they, they, they don't typically display, you know, a, a pain response the way you or I, or even a dog would. You know, dogs sometimes will yip or favor. You know, cats sometimes they'll just hole up or have these compulsive behaviors. And that's uh, could be a toothache, could be something real serious. But yeah, you want to get them to the vet. And uh, on that note, I'm sure Dr. Karen, Dr. Michelle, yeah, um, probably want to. Dr. Uh, Michelle, did that uh, did that ring any bells for you, Dr. Michelle? So yeah, I mean, over grooming could be an allergy to something. Sometimes cats are itchy. I've I've seen it a lot when people put baking soda in the litter or use Arm and Hammer that adds baking soda, especially if they're over grooming their belly. So I guess the question is: Is the cat over grooming everywhere, or is it just in one area? Um, sometimes it's a stress behavior, and then that's not really it's kind of medical, but somewhat behavioral, kind of a mixture. Um, but if there's other cat in the house that's picking on the cat, there's kids in the house, and the cat doesn't like the loud toddler. Um, that can sometimes come out and be seen in a cat that's just over grooming. Uh, my own cat. My sister moved in with me when she was going through school. And when my sister moved in with her two cats, my stat, my cat started pulling her hair out on her back. And it was a stress behavior that went away when my sister and her cats moved out. Um, so sometimes I've seen it with that. But then there is other medical instances where are they painful? You know, is the cat declawed and having issues with, with being painful there? Is there did it jump wrong and now it's showing up. It could be anything. So seeing your veterinarian first to kind of rule out medical issues is very helpful. All right, cool. Brian. Yeah. And uh, like I was saying about the onset, uh, Dr. Michelle just kind of uh, talked about that as well. Uh, if you can associate it with something that uh, a new person living in the house or a new animal that you brought, you know, sometimes it's a temporary condition, but with cats, it's such a, it's such a funny thing that you, you, that, that would be my first thing. I mean, for the, for the price of a, a veterinary visit, it's really worth it to, to, you know, to rule that out first before you take a behavioral approach. All right. So this is like the licking show. I think uh, I got another one here for you, Brian. It's coming from pokey puppy. Uh, why does my dog lick his bed? Uh, why does he lick his bed? Any thoughts? Uh, he curled before he, he, he not only curls up in it, but he often stands outside of his bed and licks it. I, it could be boredom. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Uh, why would my dog lick his bed? And is there a way to train him not to? Cause it's weird. Can well, I just say all, real quick, I think probably if you stop spilling meat song, that's going to help a lot. <laughs> that's that. And, um, it could, it could be a pacifying behavior, but, um, a lot of times with dogs, you know, it's uh, uh, they don't keep stress inside a lot. And so they'll they'll bark or they'll lick or they'll be destructive. Licking, especially licking one of their uh, items, is probably one of the least destructive things a dog can do. So if that's it, if that's the only behavior and otherwise the dog is doing fine, uh, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time trying to stop it. Um, because uh, you get rid of that behavior and that's going to be replaced with something else. Uh, again, you look at the onset. Is this something that the dog just does? It could be a pacifying thing. Does a dog do it right before it goes to bed? You know, sometimes dogs have these behaviors where the, these behavior patterns where they'll they'll circle their bed and they they kind of you know have this routine, and uh, that's a healthy thing actually. You know, so if it, if you associate it with you know a certain time of day and the dog's really not destroying anything, he's eating well, he looks healthy, he's acting healthy. Um, it's probably just, uh, you know, a quirky thing that he does. Why is it his bed? 
I don't know. It could be the material that it's made out of. And uh, like I said, if you, if you can pinpoint it to a certain time or a certain part of his routine, it just may be some vestige behavior of when, you know, the dog was a puppy. And, and uh, again, if it's, um, if it's an excessive thing where he's licking himself and maybe licking his paws raw, you might want to look at things like allergies or maybe a substrate that's bothering him that he's walking on or laying on. But uh, if it's just licking his bed a little bit, uh, it's a little weird, a little odd. I know uh, um, Matt does that at home. I talked to his wife and I can't you know, stop. I see. I can't stop doing it. It's just, it, yeah. it's, it's habit. <laughs> but other than that, he's kind of normal. So, you know, <laughs> we just kind of let it go. <laughs> you mentioned fabrics and we do see sometimes microfiber is something that they like to lick for whatever reason. Mm. Um, that tends to be something. So, and a lot of things are made in microfiber now, mm. you know, so that might be something to look at as well. All right, you know, so there, gonna... there is this behavior that's, that some dogs have. It's, um, you know, when, when uh, puppies are suckling and they kind of have that milk haze where they're just kind of zoning out. Um, if that's what he's doing, let him go. He's just, he's just relaxing. He's just kind of getting out a little excess energy and he's just kind of, you know, getting in the zone. And I, yeah, I wouldn't really, you know, uh, pay too much attention to it other than, you know, maybe make a video out of it and get a YouTube channel and maybe people find it entertaining and make some money. Out of it. I don't know. Uh, can I can I ask another lick question, Jamie? I think you're right. I think this is a licking episode. <laughs> okay. um, I, I've seen cats, especially mine. They they find a spot um, on the floor in the carpet, and and they continue to lick in that one spot all the time. They can't stop. Is, is that kind of the same with what the dog is doing, or is that a so specific behavior for a cat? They just lick, and we call it her lick spot. I don't. I don't. No any other way down. It's the same spot it. on the carpet? Same Every spot on the carpet. Is yeah. it daily? Just about. Is, it is that where? Is that the area where you do your Pilates? <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Karen? <laughs> I, said, is, I said, is it suckling or is it licking? Like, is licking. she sucking she's just, too? She's licking. No yeah. suckling. It's just, it's the weirdest thing. I kind of have this mental image of, uh, do you know that episode of The Office where uh, the whole uh, container of chili gets spilled on the floor? <laughs> yes <laughs> it could be one of those situations i was just saying <laughs> could be something that cat smells there that he it's just a, likes yeah is it a wood floor uh, man uh, car- it's carpet i know but underneath is it wood um actually no it is not okay because you know um uh you know sometimes dogs will indicate you know especially if your house has a crawl space they'll indicate where you know a rodent or something may be up underneath your house, uh, maybe scratch it, that sort of thing. But a uh, cat may be doing the same thing. But if it's a cement floor, that's, you can probably rule that out. I suppose. Strange. Yeah. yeah. I just figured I'd toss it out there. We're talking about licking, so yeah. what better time? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, we're going to uh, test your, your skills here. Samantha, I sent you an email. Did you get that email? And uh, Brian, Matt, you should have the email too, right? Yeah. Because we're going to, uh, you guys dig out that email. We're going to, Andrew, we're going to play a little game here. Fact or fiction? You decide. All right, here we go, Andrew. Three headlines ripped from the news. Two are true. One is absolutely false, created by me earlier when I should have been self-grooming. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so uh, they're going to read these three headlines to you. One, one is false. Two are true. You got to pick the false, false fact here. Um, and they'll take turns. Ladies first, Samantha, you get to be the reader. Do you have it yet? She's working on it. All right, we'll start with Matthew while Samantha 
Yeah, ladies first it is then. All right. Wait, so... you didn't even send it to me. All right. Do you have it, Matt? Yeah, I got you. All right. So uh, this is uh, story number one. Indian border police dresses up in bear costumes to chase pesky monkeys away. Oh. There you go, Andrew. Headline number two. Dogs being used to serve guests in cafes to maintain social distancing. All right. Sam, did you find it? You didn't even send it to me. Okay. And headline. No, I swear. Number three. <laughs> headline number three. Dogs go through teenage phase when they hit puberty. All right, so Boy, you guys, three if this were if this were last year, um, I think I would be able to pick one. But uh, since it's 2020 and basically all bets are off. Uh, all right. Three. Headlines all right, so one, one, one more time for you, yeah. Andrew. You ready? So headline number one, Indian border police dresses up in bear costumes to chase pesky monkeys away. Yeah, and then the dogs being used for social distancing and, and dogs go through puberty. Um, wow. Mm, I'm see I'm not I'm not gauging the headlines I'm gauging you guys more than anything and I, I'm feeling like you know the two dog ones for animal talk radio that's pretty good but at the same time man I've been watching some videos from India that are just like I don't know I don't know putting me way out there uh, I am going to go ahead and go with the Indian one keep my fingers crossed Mm. I found it. That's real. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's let's pick on uh, let's pick on Dr. Karen. Dr. Karen, we got two headlines left. We're down to a 50-50 chance. Um, he guessed Matt. He was wrong. Brian, what was your headline again? My headline is dogs being used to serve guests in cafes to maintain social distancing. And Sam, the third headline. Dogs go. Sorry, dogs go through teenage phase when they hit puberty. Well, you know, dogs do kind of go through a teenage. <laughs> so I'm going to say that one's true. And I'm going to say the in the cafes is false. But I'm not sure about that because nowadays, who knows? Wild E. Coyote. Super genius. I made that one up. Although, who knows? Right now, people doing all okay, there's dogs delivering wine. We read that story a couple weeks ago. So. I, you know, I've heard of people um, having their dogs take things to their neighbors and yeah. stuff, like take food to their neighbors. So, you know, that's why I wasn't quite sure. But in a cafe, I can't think that that would actually be acceptable. <laughs> At least not in the United States. There it is. All right, Sam. What's that? Uh, what's that story about dog dogs going through their? Uh... Oh, I have to read that. I'm a bad reader. <laughs> just, just hit the first lead. Did you? Oh, you closed. I don't it like up. reading. <laughs> Wait, it's not even here. Is it down further? They should be down further. Sorry, I have like no service in here, so I'm trying to um oh, okay. load the thing. I'm so sorry. It's I have right. like no. But you should see and the, the internet uh, here is terrible. Matt has the story. Matt, you had the story about the uh, Indian border police. I do. I you do. Gotta, you got to just everybody, if you're listening, no matter when you're <laughs> listening, Google Indian border patrol police dressed up in bear costume because it's worth seeing the picture. You have the, to, the pictures. Oh, my God. I thought, so there are a lot of there's a lot of people out there who actually take their jobs really seriously. But <laughs> um, but we feel none take their job more seriously than the authorities in the Indo-Tibetan Border Police, the ITPB, 
And this is coming out of the Rojak Daily. Uh, you see, the Indian border police have always had trouble with these pesky monkeys who are always creating a racket and stealing stuff. So to combat that, they came up with this brilliant idea, become a bear. So they're being very clever. So according to a report by Unilad, several Border Patrol officers were caught on camera donning black bear costumes in hopes of scaring away the pesky monkeys. In the video, the two ITPB BP personnel were seen inching slowly towards a group of, uh, oh, a group of monkeys, which had taken over the landscape around the Murthy ITBP camp on the border with Tibet in India's Indians Eastern Uttarakhand province. So um, the footage is actually pretty hilarious. So if you get a chance, go and take a look at it. But so whatever it takes, you know, in the wide words of the Avengers, whatever it takes. So our care bearers are out there. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. You got to it's it's they look like Sasquatch running across the, the thing. It's so funny. It's so That's like me running. Personally. Oh, it's so it's charming. Like, All right, Samantha, did you find that story? Did it come up? Did. I'm so sorry. It You're took good. me a minute. I also hate reading because I'm terrible. All right. Um, <laughs> Can't do it worse um than I do. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> no, go on. Go, go, go. Okay, so basically this is the the gist. Um A study uh, from a team of UK universities suggests dogs act in a similar way to humans when they hit puberty. Um, None were caught smoking or swearing at their owners, uh, but they were found more likely to ignore commands and were harder to train. Um, So the team of universities looked at 69 dogs before adolescence, which is five months, um, and then again during eight months, which is, I believe... I don't know. I don't know dog years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it says dogs and adolescents took longer to respond to the sit command, even though um, even if they knew how to do it, which is really wild. Um, And then there was a questionnaire with 285 dog owners who showed similar results. Um, The animals going through puberty were harder to train. So, Dr. Karen, yeah, they they say that dogs... um, you know, you, the, the the rule of thumb is like seven years for every year. But is, isn't that, is there like the first year is like really escalated or something? What's- yeah, well, in their first year, you know, they're, they're growing so much. They're, um, they're said so the seven year thing does not apply. There's, there's kind of a graduated scale. And then the seven year only applies for a short time in the middle of the lifetime. And then even as they age, that changes as well, too, because they age so much quicker than we do. And when you look at the lifespan of a dog, I mean, and depending on the breed of the dog, that can make a difference as well. But, you know, the puberty thing, I've clearly seen that. The majority of the dogs that we get in on rescue um, are usually about, you know, somewhere between six months and uh, a year and a half. And, you know, my belief, and I think a lot of others, is that those dogs were showing their puberty at that time. You know, they're just being a little more difficult. And so the owners relinquish them. And, you know, by the time we get them, then they've kind of passed that phase and are ready to learn and do well. And so we, we don't have a lot of problems rehoming those dogs because they're, they're fine. They've gotten past that phase. Excellent. All if right. there's ever been a more compelling argument for putting a shock collar on your elementary stu- student, like age child, I've never heard one because, you know, get them early, get them right, you know? 
<laughs> we still, Brian, Brian's supposed to bring the shock collar in for us. We were going to put it on Sam. Yeah, I was going to test it, test yeah. it out. <laughs> I Thanks. found the collar. You're, oh, you're really? up next. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready. I can't wait till we can be together again. <laughs> All right, Brian, I got a, I got another behavior question here. Uh, I need sure. advice uh, on a destructive dog. It's they're trashing the place. I have an American Rottweiler. Uh, I got him as a baby. He's never bitten anyone. Uh, he'll bark at intruders unless you come in through the front door. Uh, he's sweet as pie to children. Um, but I had to make him an outside doghouse because he started marking everywhere in the house whenever I turned my head. Uh, even after having him fixed, uh, he gets into things and he's very destructive in the house. I have a sun patio, uh, and I'll put him out there and he will literally rip through the sunscreen and go insane to get back in the house. Um, I'm, I'm not finding an answer for this. Uh, he can get in trouble out in the yard if a cat wanders in the yard or a, a squirrel or a rabbit. Uh, it has not ended well for a couple, uh, so I'm reluctant to have him outside unattended. Um, how can I keep him from marking and trashing things in the house? You know, uh, sometimes a, a marking behavior, and of course they've already had the dog neutered, but marking behavior can be traced back to corrections that are too harsh or after the fact. It um, Sometimes these sorts of corrections can cause uh, an ambient stress you know, to get it, to get a little out of hand. And this, the marking uh, problem is a result. I've seen it. I've seen it in Rottweilers, you know, Rottweilers, you know, 10, 15 years ago used to be really, really popular. And I, uh, I trained quite a few of them. They're still pretty popular, but um, this was a, this is a pretty common problem with a lot of Rottweilers. I think with a big, strong, uh, you know, uh, confident dog, sometimes, you know, people um, might treat a little too harsh and, and maybe the corrections will be a reflection of that. And, and consequently the dog will resort to some, uh, uh, some destructive behaviors. It sounds to me like they need to get uh, a better handle on the dog's behaviors, which means, um, you know, maybe doing some obedience classes, getting the dog out and, and going for a good run or doing some playtime with them. That's at the same time, same, same sort of, uh, you know, energy release every day, just to get the dog cycling that, that, that energy and that, that behavior. And these dogs are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're smart, they're big, they're strong, they're athletic dogs. And if you coop, if they're cooped up or if they, if they don't, don't have an outlet, these are some pretty common problems that, that result. So, um, uh, and, and one of the things you want to look at is, is, is corrections after the fact. You can't correct a dog after the fact. All it's going to do is cause stress and cause anxiety in the dog. And, and you're going to end up, um, with, uh, with a lot of problems. So, um, First thing I would do is enroll in a, in a basic obedience class as soon as the um, the quarantine is lifted, and see if you can uh, you know see if you can get a language with which to communicate with your dog. That'll go a long way towards lowering that stress. Well, there is even remote uh, training going on right now. People are are doing some remote training. It probably wouldn't be yeah. bad to just get started and get some advice from uh, a trainer remotely, even. Yeah. There's, there are a lot of good videos too, uh, online, um, you know, videos that people can use for, 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 for basic, uh, basic training that, that would, would help quite a bit. The nipping, but chewing. I would, I would definitely look to the correction. Won't come you know, the, when the call is a, training videos. What's that? The nipping, chewing won't come when <laughs> yeah, call training. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. But you know, the, uh, the marking behaviors 
um, it's almost a reflex with with some dogs and they don't even think about it. So uh, the correction is going to be problematic at best because it's not like the dog is, is you know, um, is, is thinking about it or he's looking at the trash can like he wants to get into it and he's he's got these mischievous thoughts. They just go and, and they and they lift their leg. It's it's almost a way of getting rid of stress real quick and they might go and mark three or four things at a time. So um, I, I would definitely look at your training regimen. Yeah. All right. There's another one. This this question is is kind of similar, but this is a 10 month old uh, red healer. And it's my red healer won't heal. Uh, we rescued him. He's 10 months old. He was on the street as a pup and then crated by a second owner. That second owner had him crated for up to 10 hours a day. Uh, he's with us now. Uh, he's very playful, chews on a lot of stuff, but the problem is he won't come when called. Uh, we'd like him to respond when we call for him. How do we, how do we change this behavior? Well, you're setting him up to fail. If the, if you give the dog a directive, if you say come and he doesn't come to you, all you've taught him is to not come to you. Mm. You know, so uh, think of it as teaching him a language. And when you teach him a language, you have to supply the definition of the word first, which requires the dog being on a leash. And if you have to reel him in like a fish, you tell him, come reel him in, give him a treat, make it real fun. And then uh, the dog will start learning that when he hears his name and the word come, that not only is it good, but it becomes a habit. As soon as he hears it, he does something. Once that's in his head, you can't take it out. So once the dog comes to you consistently, um, then uh, that's the only thing that occurs to them. And then they'll come to you every time. And then and only then you start removing the leash and trying it. Uh, But beforehand, you're just setting yourself up to fail because uh, then the dog will, will learn that he has the upper hand. He's the one that determines whether or not he wants to come to you when he's called. And that's the worst thing you can teach a dog or a child or a spouse. <laughs> so uh, 10 months, 10 months, is, a, is that a good training point for a dog? Yeah, you know, we were talking about the, the, the terrible twos, the, um, uh, you know, the adolescents. I mean, that's how dog trainers stay in business because, the, you know, you have a, a, a three, two, three-month-old puppy that follows you everywhere and you think you have such a, a great control of this and a great bond and all of a sudden – the dog starts running off this way, chewing on things, terrorizing. Um, so yeah, that's that's the time to get them in and to get them, uh, you know, to, to to get them working and refocused. And dogs love to learn if if they're in a good um, training regimen. That's that's um, uh, you know, some, using some good positive methods. Dogs absolutely love it. And you're talking about a red healer here. They were born to do this stuff. So um, you know, it's second nature to them. Uh, so yeah, you, you have to. Uh, uh, whenever you give the dog a word or a command, you have to be prepared to follow it up with an example or somehow get them working towards that direction. Otherwise, the word is meaningless to them. And I think Brian will agree with me that the sooner you get your puppy or dog into obedience, the better the situation. I've had people, you know, because I do a lot of work with the rescued greyhounds, and they say, well, the dog is four years old. I can't take it to obedience. Oh, yeah, you can. Um, Any time is good. But especially when you have a puppy, the sooner you do it, the better. Oh, yeah. You can train puppies at eight weeks. They're ready to learn. You, you use different techniques based on the developmental stage of the dog. But using positive reinforcement can be done eight, 10, 12 weeks of age. And puppies learn really, really quick. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. You don't want to wait or hold off. And to Karen's point, you can absolutely teach a four or five, six-year-old dog or older 
um, uh, to, uh, you know, to respond to commands and to, to be an obedient dog. So there's, yeah, there's no such thing as not being able to teach an old dog new tricks. Yay. All right. Hey, I can't believe how fast this hour has flown by. It's just, uh, it's like lightning fast. Who's bad? Time flies when you're talking about licking. <laughs> it's time for the bad animal joke of the week. Who's uh, bad? I, I feel bad about these already. <laughs> Is it not good? I feel, I feel a little shame already. Uh, it's time for the, the bad animal joke of the week. Hey, Samantha. Hey, what? What do you call two octopuses that look exactly alike? The same? Identical. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why do cows have hooves instead of feet? Hooves? Yeah, why oh, do cows? Yeah, why do cows have hooves? Because they're bovine creatures. Uh, they lack toes. Uh. <laughs> oh my god! No, no, that's I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> hey, hey, James, why do chicken coops only have one or two doors? Why do they only? Because if they had four doors, it'd be a chicken sedan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome, Andrew. Thanks for hanging out. We appreciate it. What's uh, what's your website again? And the and good luck with the face masks. I appreciate that. OregonPPE.org, ThomasCreepDigitalMedia.com, and uh, just on Facebook for all of my other shows. We go out live. Oh, and Twitch. Uh, don't forget about the Twitch. Boost Booze BBQ on Twitch. We've got some really cool stuff going on over there. So I encourage everybody to come green, and check us out. Thank you up. once again. It was great talking to everybody on the panel here. Yeah, you green screen it up, and it's uh, you do it up when you do those. We try. That's awesome. All right, Dr. Karen, what's the, the website for the, the clinic again? It's uh, uh, serenityanimalhospital.net. All right. Sam, give us a shout out. Oh, hey. Uh, so we are the Animal Talk podcast, and we have our website, www.animaltalkradio.com. Um, and then we have our, our social media uh, accounts, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Animal Talk Radio. Um, and then we have our merch site, uh, wearingfunny.com, so you can go buy some merch. And do that. The new T-shirt has we have Matt YouTube on it. too. The, the shirt, new shirt has Matt on it. It does. It does. It does. So maybe I'll buy it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, everybody, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for for hanging out. Appreciate it, Brian. I appreciate you. Keep living that thug life over there. It's like it's yeah. Like, every time he comes like out, I'm just like, he looks like such Look a thug. <laughs> He's like that one mean guy at the end of the bar on Sons of Anarchy. The wise oh, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just haven't showered today, that's all. I just, you know, I just woke possible, up. You know? uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you guys. Everybody, please, have an exotic week. And kiss your wild thing for me. <laughs> well, Brian's always the first one to be out. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's out. Really cool. I get a